tonight we uh, are going back to Psalm 23. Um, a quick change here. You'll listen again to the Lord's word from Psalm 23. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the Lord's word. Would you bow with me, please? Again, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the things you teach us, that you instruct us in, the things that uh, are revealed to us concerning yourself, your son, and your spirit. We thank you, Father, again, for this wonderful gift, this wonderful revelation of yourself. And pray again now, O Lord, that your blessing will be upon your word as it goes forward, that your blessing would be upon this servant, and that your blessing be upon your people who are sitting here in this building and who are listening, perhaps from afar. And we ask that you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us, O Lord, um, to find great comfort knowing you, as our shepherd, we thank you now and ask that you would cause the kingdom of Satan injury yet again and that you will advance your kingdom and your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, we do not walk alone. How often we think that uh, the Lord Jesus and the gospel are merely blessings uh, for some day down the road when we they call in hospice and and we're laying there in our beds, and then we think to ourselves, then, then Jesus will be present with me, and he will help me. Um, but it's something down, down the road. Oftentimes, um, we think of, of the Lord Jesus as being quite removed from everyday life. We think him removed, um, and we have this attitude that we just muddle through life, And we are lonely and frightened, timid and anxious, because we think that somehow, somewhere out there, he's he's paying attention, but he's not ideally concerned with me. But you, Christian, are not alone. You have heard his voice, and you have followed, and you are not alone. This psalm is given to us here to remind us, to remind the Lord's people, that Jesus Christ is our shepherd Not that he was our shepherd at one point and no longer is, or that he shall be our shepherd at some future point, but that he is our shepherd now, presently, even this evening. In this, we should be encouraged, because many, many are struggling with one particular thing or another. Some are very discouraged and have listened to the whisperings of the evil one that somehow the Almighty has ceased to care and that somehow he has become deaf to your prayers. I want to encourage you to take heart and not to be anxious. The Lord is your shepherd, and you have every reason as the Lord's child to trust him completely with what comes and has come your way 
and you have every reason to rest in him. Listen to verses 1 through 3 again. And we see here, first of all, as David begins this psalm, he speaks of the Lord and how the Lord will provide everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is David who has written this psalm, and as such, he refers to the Lord, the Lord who has called and delivered Israel from all her enemies, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he speaks of the Lord as his shepherd. We have the privilege of knowing what the prophets foretold. If you'll recall, Ezekiel in chapter 34 of his book says how the shepherds of Israel were, were feasting off the sheep. They were using the flock. They were not fulfilling their duties, but that the Lord, as Ezekiel says, the Lord himself will be a shepherd to his people. He will come and gather them in. He will come and take care of them. We have the privilege to know that this shepherd is none other than the Lord Jesus. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In Peter, 1 Peter 5, Peter would refer to, to the Lord Jesus as the chief shepherd. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 would call the Lord the great shepherd of the sheep. It is the Lord who is our shepherd and not another. It is the Lord who does not change who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is the Lord who does not slumber, nor does he sleep, according to the psalmist in Psalm 121. It is the Lord who knows all, who sees all, and is all-powerful, has wired you, who knows your frame and knows that you're but dust. He is the Lord, the shepherd who cares for his people. This almighty God, says David, is my shepherd. Here the image is that of a shepherd from the east, who gives constant and tender watch care over the sheep under his care. He leads them into green pastures, we are told, and by quiet waters, making sure that they are fed. He goes after them when they stray from the flock. He protects them when they are in harm's way. Sheep are rather helpless and dependent creatures, and shepherds tend to their care. In fact, as I was once reminded, and I verified this, that without a shepherd, you know what happens to sheep? They die. They die. Jesus said, He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. He called to you and you followed. The result being, friend, is that as, as the scriptures point out, that none who believe in Jesus Christ will ever be disappointed. He will care for them. He will care for you so thoroughly in what he does. He says, you shall lack no good thing. I shall not want. We're not talking here of earthly shepherds now who are hirelings, who get tired or forget, or who battle apathy. But we are speaking of the perfect Lord, who is our shepherd. Because he is who he is, all-knowing, all-powerful, he is able and desirous to provide all that you need, all that you truly need, because he knows you intimately. He knits you together in the secret places, says David elsewhere. And he provides for us both body and soul. 
Listen to what he wrote in verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verses 2 and 3 elaborate on what he had said in verse 1. I shall not want. Again, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The psalmist states quite confidently that the Lord does provide all that we need. Green pastures, quiet waters. Again, this picture is a picture of safety and calmness and nourishment. All that is needed for life comes from the hand of the Lord. And that is true regardless of who's sitting on the, uh, you know, behind the, the desk in the White House. It's the Lord who provides for us, right? The writer of Scripture says, don't let your, your, character, let your character be free from, from greed. He will never leave us or, nor forsake us. All that is needed for life comes from the hand of our good shepherd. Physically, beloved, we have the fact stated to us that the Lord will provide and does provide all we need. Listen to Matthew um, as the Lord would speak in Matthew chapter 6. We read this. Truly one of my all-time favorite passages of scripture. It's Matthew 6 verses 25 and 33. We read this. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, all, knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You hear this? The good shepherd provides. He provides all that we need, but not only physically, but spiritually as well. He restores my soul, David writes. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now here's the reality. There's a wonderful video, and if you could ever find this on YouTube, it is absolutely one of the sweetest, funniest things I have ever seen. It's somewhere over in, I want to say, Western or Eastern Europe. And they've dug a big trench to lay a big water pipe down this trench. And this shepherd is trying to move sheep down the road. And there's one sheep that dove in head first into that trench. And you just see these little legs sticking out of that trench. And this shepherd pulls the sheep out and he runs along the trail, the ditch, and he jumps right back in. <laughs> and you see those little legs swinging back and forth. And I, I laughed at that and watched that, and I go, boy, can I identify with that, with that sheep. Boy, can I identify with that. You get into a scrape, you cry to the Lord, he comes and delivers you and, and restores you, and then you 
go and jump right back into it again. And what does the shepherd do? He goes and grabs him out again. What a savior we have. The hymnist wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. And Isaiah wrote, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. So the psalmist points out that by implication, we have need of being restored in our souls. And that's, that's the actual idea behind this restoration. We sin and we wander, we rebel. And the Lord reaches out and he grabs hold of us and he brings us back. Our greater need, greater than even our physical need, is our spiritual need. I can be well fed and be lost forever apart from God, but the man who has stayed on Jesus is at peace even though he is eating crust. When we stray, we have this assurance that the Lord will restore us. The good shepherd will come after us. He will discipline us for our good that we might share in his holiness. Consider David and how the Lord dealt with King David when he sinned with Bathsheba. He did not allow him to continue in his sin, did he? But dealt with him faithfully. He dealt with him. Um, when David had numbered all of Israel, David, what does he do? He has to choose which punishment do we get. And he goes, Lord, you choose because you're more merciful. And throws himself on the mercy of the Lord. What a shepherd we have. So we stray and do things that we shouldn't. But he will do all that is necessary to turn us back onto the proper path. Because as his people who are called by his name, the Lord himself is interested that his name is honored among the nations. And he will bring you back when you sin. And he will cause you to walk on that path of righteousness. That's a guarantee. That's how he deals with his people. Now some of us hearing this, because of the struggles that we are in currently, feel as though what has already been said is some kind of idyllic, sentimental mishmash because you feel as if um, you're not being taken care of. You are quite in a despondent place. Your spouse is not behaving properly towards you. Of course, I wouldn't say that to any of you. <laughs> Right? Everything's good with you all. Money is tight. Your checks bounce. You're facing late fees. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Your children are driving you nuts or they're going through some sort of problem that you can't fix. You have some kind of sickness that can't be dealt with. David points out that there most certainly are times, some very dark and troubling times, that will come upon the saints of God. We think of Elijah when Jezebel said, you're mine. She's doing one of these numbers <laughs> with, with Elijah. I'm going to get you and you're going to pay. Right? Or Joseph, who was falsely accused and imprisoned. Here, David states that it is not only the path of peace that the Lord leads us down, but also some dark paths as well. But he gives us this assurance to which we must cling. In verse 4, we read, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Christian is not exempt from trial. I, I mentioned to you Elijah, and I mentioned Joseph, but considered, considered David, who was pursued uh, by King Saul, when yet he did nothing. In fact, he did everything right. And yet he was pursued by Saul because Saul was jealous. 
or Hezekiah, who was taunted by the wicked Rabshaka, the official from Assyria, or Job, who suffered bitterly, and he didn't even know why, and the heavens stood by and watched, or Paul, who was afflicted in Asia and burdened excessively beyond strength, so that he says that he despaired even of life, and you, whatever it might be, the torment you face in your soul, uh, Peter denying the Lord three times, he wept bitterly. Did the Lord deal faithfully with him? He did. He did. Darkness and light make no difference to the Lord. He is the author of the good times, and he is the author of the difficult times, the bad times. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, When times are good, be glad. When times are bad, consider God makes one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover what shall come after him. And then Isaiah wrote that the Lord is the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. My friends, the Lord does lead us down paths that are sometimes so difficult that you, like Paul, will despair even of life. Whether it's in marriage or sickness or jobs, whatever it might be, he has brought you down a path for a time because he wants to give you something else you need, something that... You may, never, you may never know or understand until you get to heaven. However difficult it may be, you need not fear, nor should you fear. And David writes, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Remember Asaph, we preached on this several weeks back from Psalm 73. What did he say was his good? He says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. In, in the face of hardship and trial, it was the nearness of God that was as good. Regardless of the situation you are currently under, we need not fear the evil, this deep darkness that pervades your soul. For the Lord is not far from you. Though you may feel like he is a million miles away, he is near you. He is beside you to hold on to you and to never let you go. The writer says his rod and staff that they comfort him. The rod was a weapon used to defend the sheep from enemies. The staff was used to direct the sheep. Whether it be an assault from without or a trouble from within, we may take comfort in this, friends, that those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, not tribulations, distress, persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. The psalmist said, I feel comfort, your rod and your staff. They make me feel safe because the Lord will deal faithfully with us in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Last, we notice this, that we move from the shepherd and sheep theme. The psalmist now pictures a banquet. Because of the Lord's goodness and loving kindness, you will enjoy fellowship with him all of your days. All of your days. He writes, <clears throat> You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will enjoy fellowship with the Lord all of our days. This now is a picture of one who has been taken from a humble and low position and has been raised up and exalted to a position of honor. Recall the story in 2 Samuel 9 of Mephibosheth. It's a very nice word to say. 
uh, Mephibosheth. He was lame in both feet. He's the grandson of Saul who had pursued David. And yet David and Jonathan had entered into a covenant with one another. Jonathan understood that David would succeed. He would be the one who was to come to the throne in Israel following his father. And for the sake of his covenant with Jonathan, Mephibosheth, who was lame in both feet, was invited to eat at David's table at the height of David's glory. It is such a rich and beautiful picture that we see that this man who was unworthy on so many on so many levels to eat at the king's table, and David says, is there yet anyone that I can show kindness to? And this glorious king takes this young man who's lame in his feet, and he goes, now, you come and you eat at my table. All of your days, you're, you are to me as one of my own, and you will feast here forever. And you think about this, that this is what the Lord has done for the sinner, that this is what he has done for us, friends, a people who are lame and who were dead in our sins. And because of Christ, he says, you come to my table, you sit and you dine with me, you're mine. Here's this picture, this wonderful picture of this lowly servant, this lamb who is welcomed by the Lord. The table has been set, the head anointed with oil, the cup that brims, it's a picture of affluence, all in the presence of the enemy. They, says the psalmist, will see the Lord's lifting you up, calling you to the banquet, to the feast. And it is not a one-time affair, but a continual way of life for the Christian. As a matter of fact, we have an abundance in Jesus Christ, and an inheritance awaits us. One, I'm sorry, when our God Um, He does this, and he is not ashamed of us, but takes us to be with him. Listen to what Paul would write in Ephesians 3. We read this. In verses 8 through 12. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. This is what we have, these tremendous riches and access to the Father to access to everything that is good. And so, again, it is not a one-time event, but it is an ongoing thing. Goodness and loving kindness, steadfast love and goodness suggests, said one commentator, the steady kindness and support that one can count on in the family or between firm friends. It is a covenant love. God has made a promise to you and has set it in place through the work of Jesus Christ, and he will do it. As we mentioned this morning, our God cannot lie. He can't make a promise and not keep it. From the moment, friends, that he brought you safely uh, 
to faith in Jesus Christ. He has been your God, and he will be your God until the moment he brings you safely home to be with him in heaven. That's the good shepherd. Therefore, my friends, do not live and do not think that your God will forsake you in whatever position or place you find yourself tonight. You have every conceivable blessing given to you now in Jesus Christ. And in this we may be confident and rest secure. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for this evening, and I thank you for your word. And the sweet reminder it is that you are our shepherd. We pray, O Father, that you would help us to rest in this and not to lose sight that you are the one who is with us and leads us in the quiet places and paths of righteousness beside still waters, but you are also the one who walks with us in these dark valleys, these places that terrify us, and yet your rod and your staff, they are there to bring us comfort. We ask, O Lord, that our confidence in you would grow that our faith would be strengthened, and that we would not worry but rest. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.